and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk, shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number five. Today we're talking about concerts, programs, informances, and mini musicals. We'll also share highs and lows from our school week. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So it's time for us to share our high notes or low notes from the classroom. Tanya. What are you going to be sharing with us today? Uh, I actually have a high note. Hooray. Uh, It was a very long week. Um, We had students Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And um, wow, by by Tuesday, I felt like I had put in a whole week. But, you know, it's fine. Um, Today was a today was good to know that there's a three day weekend ahead of us. Um, Yes. Yeah. But I did do something in third grade that I was uh, really happy with. Um, we had gone to the Western Division Oak Conference that was held in Utah back in November, and both of us were able to go, and, and um, it was a fantastic time. And Dr. Jerry Jacquard, who is at BYU um, with the Kodai program there, he gave a very inspired um, speech. Excellent. Yeah, and I can't wait for it to come out in the Kodai Envoy. Um, that'll be really I, I know I'm going to be taking quotes from that because it was just so wonderful. But anyway, the thing, one of the things that he mentioned uh, kind of in an offhand way is um, talking about rhythm syllables and, um, you know, using ta's and tt's. And he had made uh, just a passing mention of having kids articulate rhythms just with um, sizzling. I think the band teachers call it like the sizzle mm-hmm. where, and I hope this doesn't sound obnoxious, but where you, and you're essentially tonguing and pushing air through. And you know, this is one of those things that I've done in the past and it just, I never just got away from me. And it's one thing that I, when he talked about that in his speech, I went, oh yeah, that's right. That's another way to articulate rhythm. And um, yeah, I like that you can hear the durations too. Yeah. And so um, with third grade, as kind of a review, we were reading some rhythms to accompany Kodai's Viennese musical clock Mm -hmm. from the um, Harianos suite. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just ta and tt and rest or quarter notes, eighth notes and rests. And um, I had them third graders articulated and that was kind of like on the fly I did that and uh wow they they it was like a new novel thing for them to do and they enjoyed it and they were were getting you know very good at it I mean they were uh first and second grade rhythms or really first grade rhythms um but at that tempo that that piece is it's totally appropriate for third grade even you know older kids um but then I was thinking you know recorders I'm starting recorders in February what an awesome thing to have them doing this and practicing that tonguing sensation yeah. before we even get the recorders in their hands. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this was kind of like, wow, I did something like ahead of time that's going to pay off, I hope. Nice. Only time will tell. But That's so, a great idea. So they enjoyed it, and um, I was able to take that a little farther because we were doing it in this new novel way, and um, everybody had a good time. Excellent. Yeah. And Carrie, what do you have? A high note, a low note? What's going on? I'm going to do a low note. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it's it's related to our main theme of the day. Um, I am doing a Stomp-inspired unit with my fifth graders. How fun. Inspired, you know, by the show Stomp. Um, and we're going to be hopefully creating a program. We're still in the early stages, so we're not really sure what it's going to evolve into. It's a lot of student-led decision-making going on with this. Which but, I'm sure they love. They do, but I think where the low note comes into play was maybe I gave them too much too fast. So um, we, we watched the video, well, parts of videos of the Stomp Live performance, and I could tell they were very antsy to get started, to, yeah. to start banging on things and making noise. Of and course. so um, I felt, well, rather than, you know, starting with having them write rhythms or, or plan anything, I'm just going to get out my basket of kitchen stuff. So I have in my classroom... A laundry basket full of plastic and metal things. 
um, nothing class. Oh, good. For yeah. This reason. So lots of, you know, pots, old pots and pans, uh, cookie sheets, and then lots of like plastic utensils yeah. for, for, to use as the striker. Um, so they were tasked in groups of threes or fours to come up with a little mini three rhythm ensemble. And we, we watched another video that I had found that we can link up to the show notes about. Um, how you can create your own stunt performance. And, oh. um, so we watched that as kind of our, this is what you've got to do. Um, they had a whiteboard to write down some rhythms, but really it was more about giving them an opportunity to make the sounds. To, to explore. Play, yeah. To explore. So I think where it all went wrong was I didn't give them enough instruction as far as how hard to bang on the materials. Yeah, like heads up, don't beat the whatever out yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that just the amount of noise would kind of dictate how hard they bang on it because it it's not pleasant how loud some of these well, things Well, maybe get. your tolerance and their tolerance is <sighs> well, different. Well, apparently so because it became a bit of a hot mess. Oh. Um, you know, and I told them it's going to get loud and that's okay, but there's a difference between noise and music and there's a difference between, you know, uh, coming up with rhythms and just banging on something for the sake those of those are fine on lines it. that sometimes I'm not sure I know where those are. Right, and on top of it, I let them choose their own group, so it, oh. it was too little scaffolding. I yeah. think they needed yeah. a little bit more <laughs> instruction, and so needless to say, some groups did great, and they came up with a wonderful little ensemble that they were able to perform. Other groups, not so much. And when it was time to um, go and we were cleaning up, I found lots of shards of plastic oh materials all over my floor. So literally things had broken, which it's not a big deal. I mean, these are plastic things from the Ark. And it wasn't even so much that it, they broke. It was the fact that they had to be hitting them so hard to the point that they broke. And I was not feeling so great about the lesson. But I can say I think the majority of the students walked away from the lesson having learned how to create an ensemble, how to use different materials, but there was definitely a smattering of them who probably walked out going, wow, I just got to bang on trash today. And that was definitely not the goal well, that I wanted them to have. So I now know where to go with this Well, this time. is where you have this opportunity to have a, you know. It'll a be a teachable moment. Fantastic conversation about how we treat instruments. Right? Yes, even trash. Well, we don't call it. Like, <laughs> well, no, I know. mean, literally, if we're playing like trash cans. We still have hey, to treat them appropriately. A trash can is not trash. We need these tools <laughs> in our lives. So true. So it was a little low, but it's going to get high. Oh next yeah, that's week. a low that will be turned into a high. So no worries. Totally. And now it's time for our main theme. Today's topic is concerts, programs, informances, and mini musicals. And we just want to clarify up front right here that we're going to be talking about teacher-created um, programs and musicals and concerts and not uh, canned programs. There are lots of those out there if you're mm -hmm. interested in those and um, lots of places that you can go and get other music teachers' opinions on those and, I mean, I see it on Facebook all the time in, in several of the elementary music groups. So if that's what you're really here for, then I don't want, to, I don't want you to be disappointed that we're, we're not going to give any reviews <laughs> on any of the canned musicals. And um, a little bit of a soapbox right now. I am not particularly a fan of canned musicals. Yeah. I've, I've not done a lot of them. I, I've done a little bit at the very beginning of my career. Uh, there's so many reasons why I would rather create my own program or concert or musical. And when I have done these uh, can programs in, in way distant past, um, I'm always, uh, artistically, I'm really not very satisfied. I know that they can be very appealing to kids, but I kind of view it as um, candy. Like, yeah, it's, it's glitzy and in the short term the kids are excited about it but I was never comfortable giving up a, most of my music time and my class time to put on these things that I didn't feel connected to what's going on in the music room 
And musically, sometimes they're just the key. They're pitched way too low. That's a huge problem. It's too. not typically something that's readable. Yeah. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's not something that's going to go well into your curriculum as far as, you know, notation practice because it typically has all these syncopated rhythms and things that the oh, kids yeah. can't necessarily read. Um, yeah. So I agree that yeah. musically it's not very satisfying. Um, and and some it of can them, be, you know, glitzy and showy and all that good stuff. But Yeah. And I know that that. that Families and parents, especially if they have grown accustomed to those, no. they they might. De- I know that there are people who go into teaching situations where they're new in a school, and the expectation is that a big show yes. is going to happen. And and when I'm talking about can musicals, I'm not talking about like the Broadway Junior things, yeah. where you would do like I, I've done Fiddler on the Roof mm-hmm. Junior, which was fantastic. I've done Music Man Junior, which was great. I mean, those are established musicals that have been adapted for younger performers and I think those are fantastic. And in my world, those are something I would do with like a drama club. Right, and an outside school, group. extracurricular thing yeah. with your choir maybe. So when we're talking can musicals, I don't wanna, you know We're like, talking about like the little pre packaged books yes. that come with C D yes, and the little yes. scripts and uh-huh. and uh, I mean and we we've talked about this too, Tanya, that it seems like if you're gonna show the parents what you're doing in your classroom you want to show them what you're doing all year, not just for the couple of months that you're preparing yeah. for the program. So yeah. I, I want the the, music, the musical or program to be a, a snapshot of my classroom. Right. I want the parents to understand that they are learning to read and write music and that they are learning a really high-quality folk music and folk dancing. And yes, and it's not all performance skills. Yeah. And it's, it's performing music that is appropriate for the kids and that the kids still enjoy and I always felt like at the very beginning, you know, when I was did a couple of these that I was stopping the world. Exactly. So to put on a show. Yep. yep. With second graders or yep. fifth graders or whatever. And oh, it just felt wrong to me. And I noticed when I started creating my own versus the canned ones, the students really bought into it much more. Oh, because yeah. Because they were songs that they already knew. Yeah. And I just said, hey, we're going to put them together in this way. And you customize it to them. Yeah. And they felt like it was theirs. It mm-hmm. was their program because it was showing the parents things that they're learning. Right. And I found, um, yeah, there was just much more buy-in. The kids enjoyed it better, which was I thought would be the opposite. I thought I was going to have to sell it a lot more to them. But the kids really enjoyed Showing their parents what they do. Exactly. And then if I had one particular class who really loved a certain song, then that would be the class that I would feature, like, on instruments or doing the dance, mm-hmm. or they would have, like, a special yeah addition to that song. And so you can really craft it to your kids, and that makes it, I think, so much more special. Absolutely. All right. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit because our main theme when we say we're talking about concerts, programs, informances, and mini-musicals, I know mini-musical is not like a common term. And, and I put that in there because I refer to some of my performances as mini-musicals, and several of them are concerts. I kind of stay away from the word program. And this yes, is... I've never heard this. Oh. Tell me more, Tanya. <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> Okay, in my mind, um, a concert is a performance of music. And so if we're doing a group of songs based on a theme, like, say, folk songs around the world, which I've, I've done several versions of folk songs around the world uh, with different grades, I want to call it a concert because I feel it has this, um, it's got this elevated um, feeling to it and I explained to the kids that, you know, we're doing a performance, it's a group of songs, and this is a concert. A program to me, I think, is a little too, a little vague and a little generic. Yes. And so that term concert, I always felt like it just gave it this air of um, more respectability for the kids, more, more ownership for them to feel like, wow, you know what, I'm a performer in a concert. Right, because you hear about choir concerts, Mm -hmm. and especially if they're younger kids and they have brothers and sisters who are in band, orchestra, choir, they're always performing concerts. Well, it's the same here. It's just, you know, we're younger kids and we are performing a concert too. So if I do a performance that is not based on a book or a story, 
and that doesn't have acting elements, I just simply call it a concert. And then, yeah, then you call it a mini musical. Does yeah, and then I call it a mini musical. Confusion for parents. I know that sounds weird, but do they, do they ex- maybe that's what you want that they expect something different, but does it cause any sort of confusion as to what it is and what you're doing to call it different things? No, because I, I, I if it's a mini musical, they I call it. They understand that terminology. Yeah, they understand that ter- terminology. Okay. I, I wouldn't want to call it a musical because, like. Then they're going to think it's the big thing. Yeah. My musicals <laughs> don't really go beyond a half an hour. Well, so. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That's interesting. I call everything a program. Yeah. <laughs> no matter well, what it and is. And I still have people re- refer to it as a yeah. program. Um, and that's, you know, I don't, like, get up in their face or anything about well, sure. it. But with the kids, I like training them on this you know, hmm. terminology. Here's a concert. You know, are you I coming do correct to the... them when they call it a play because for some reason my students just call everything a play, and then I have to say, "Well, there's music involved." Yeah, we're, we're going to call more than that. So yeah, oh, that's um, a tiny thing. So I know. Yeah, I just thought I'd put my two cents in there about that. Interesting. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about different types of programs, concerts, <laughs> mini musicals, etc. Um, starting with some ideas for concerts. Thematic concerts. Thematic concerts. Specifically. And we'll also preface this by saying that um, any idea that we are sharing today, if you want more specific information or even a copy of a script that Tanya and I, or I, have wrote, Uh, um, you are welcome to send us a private message at our Music Teacher Coffee Talk Facebook page. And um, assuming that it's something that is completely original by one of us and not given to us by any other colleague, we, we would be happy to share more specific things yeah. with you, possibly even a script. Yes. So yeah. just send us a message, a private message, letting us know which one specifically you're interested in. And we can. And we're going to list a few more. here sure. um, as well. So as far as thematic concerts, that's something where um, you, you would tie a bunch of songs together around a specific theme. Maybe it's something that they have been studying in a different area in school, like Social studies is a very common thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, the sixth graders used to do a unit called Our Neighbors to the North and South, oh, which nice. was like a great opportunity for me to bring in, you know, some South American uh, folk songs and some Canadian songs. And um, that worked really well Yeah, um, as a thematic concert. Yeah, in my uh, my former school, the fifth grade team every year did a Countries Around the World project where yeah. each student was given us country to do a research project on and they had a day where the students all had their posters and they brought in food and yada 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 so either on that same day or during that same week then I would do a music around the world concert where mm-hmm. it was you know the same idea we I try to hit you know something from each continent except for you know Antarctica yeah but- <laughs> If you've got some <laughs> Antarctica folk songs that you would like to send, please us, share. Please share. <laughs> but yeah, we would we would do songs and folk dances, and you know, tied in to what's what they were doing in the class. Yeah, and classroom teachers certainly love that. Right. When you do that. Yes, and and like to call it collaboration, but it's not really collaboration unless it's two ways. But you know, um, this is something that can make like teachers and administrators really pleased to see that kind of cross curricular thing happening. You can also tie in with science things. I think it's really great fun to do like um, a planets and a, um, you know, out of this world yeah. type of theme. And you can get very creative. How many songs do we know about stars? Yeah. Lots, right? And, and so you can get as tight or as loose with that theme as you would like. If we're singing about the night sky, does it count? You know, um, but... In, within that concert, you can also have kids, you can write in places where kids will come up and maybe give some really interesting facts mm-hmm. about, you know, planets or, or other scientific things, depending on what your concert is about. Sure. Um, I, when I did a winter program once, just generic winter songs and, and folk dances and things, we had the students write poetry about yeah. winter and then we chose, you know. 10 of them to read their poems in between. So that was a great way to also tie in literacy mm-hmm. into um, what we were doing. But uh, yeah, I, I've done lots of spring concerts mm-hmm. with first grade, especially. And I have a couple of books with children's poetry. And there's some wonderful children's poetry that 
poems that are really easy for kids to memorize. Yes, absolutely. And that really gives an opportunity for some of those wonderful speakers to shine. Yeah. And um, it's very exciting for them to have that extra little part. And I just love, I just love the small kids doing spring concerts and songs. And there's so many lovely things that go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. And a weather. I've done weather. Oh, that's a good one. Too. Yeah, that's a good one too. Seasons. Seasons. Yep. So thematic concerts, not too hard to put together. It does take a little, um, you know, a little time and initiative. So now we're going to talk about what Tanya calls mini musicals, <laughs> or I just call programs. But these are uh, programs that you create based on books or based on something that the classroom teacher is doing. So. And usually, and uh, they are stories. You said that, right? Right. Yeah. So they are stories that you're either writing yourself or that you're taking from another text. Yeah. So, for example, I'll throw one out there. Okay. Um, I I created a uh, a little program based on Pete the Cat, and uh, oh, that was a really fun one that I did with first graders. And so um, that year I had four first grade classes. And so each class was one of the colors. And so when he steps in the different things, his, his shoes turn different colors. Mm-hmm. And then each class got to do a little feature, like you said, on one of the songs. So, for example, when, he, when his shoes turned blue, we sang, Here Comes a Bluebird, and that class got oh. to do the game. So I, I chose songs that matched the color that his shoes turned into. Oh. Um, when they turned brown, we did Bate, Bate, Chocolate. And nice. one class got to play some non-pitched percussion with that one. Okay. And my, my favorite moment was at the end of the program. Um, this was first grade. I think I already said that. This is first grade. And uh, I like to do an instrument parade with first grade programs. Uh-huh. I've done this with a different couple of different ones where all the students have some sort of non-pitched percussion. I play some music with a nice beat, and they just march around the gym and parade. But it gives them a chance to walk right by their parents, right by the audience, and just kind of make this nice little circle towards the end. And so I played the the stray cat strut. Oh, And they cute. got to walk around and play their instruments to the stray cat strut. And so All right. that was a really fun program. Yeah. Um, I'll throw one out there that I have done. I adapted the book Barely Oats the Bear, the Jan Brett's book. Yeah. Um, And it it was really fun and uh, fantastic. The kids just had a great time. I was very lucky because my husband was able to do some set pieces that really looked exactly like uh, Barely Oats. He's got his orchestra. He plays the bass. He's got his orchestra. They're on their way to a gig, and then the mule gets stuck, like in a pothole. Okay. And the mule won't budge. And so they try to keep – other animals keep coming by going, oh, well, I'll pull the mule out, and nobody can pull the mule out. And finally, it's a bee that um, is able to get the mule going again, and then they, they race towards the concert um, it's not a concert hall. It's actually outside, and they're there just in time. And if so, of course, it's Flight of the Bumblebee mm-hmm. that they end up playing in the very last page of Barely Oats the Bear. They show Barely Oats saying, and we have a special tune for you tonight, and it just says that they're playing Flight of the Bumblebee. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, gosh, that just lends itself so great to what music we're going to use for them to race into, you know. Oh, and so cute. we had a bee. We had Barely Oats. And then the wagon that my husband, Craig, designed, he just did the exact same, you know, lines and things that you see in those beautiful Jan Brett's books. Yeah. And you're not going to get a lot of people to do that for you, but I lucked out on that. Yes. Um, so every time a different animal came by, we had a song to go with it. So like a rooster comes by and we sing, let's put the rooster in the stew. Let's put yeah. the rooster in the stew. Um, we also had a couple of dances in there because – Simultaneously, while Berlioz and his orchestra are stuck, they are getting ready for the concert. And this is those are those things that you see on the borders of the page. Mm-hmm. You know, in all those Jan Brett's books, right. you see, like, um, the B-plot that's going yeah, on. Yeah, there's some more detail. Right. So that's we fun. were able to put in some dances of people getting ready for that. And, um, boy, I really liked that one. I might pull it out again sometime, except yeah. for... Uh, the, the props, we need to get the props and the um, 
the wagon out again. And Did you uh, save them all? You know what? We had saved them. And then I think it was like last year, he was like, you know what? Can I just repurpose this? Because oh, it's no. taking up room. And I went, oh, okay, fine. I'll make them again. Though. Yeah, he enjoys it, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, so no let promises. me ask you this, Tanya. Yeah. When you're doing these kind of programs, then, that have these kind of stories, you, you're writing the script. I am writing the script. Based off the, the book, but you're creating dialogue. Yes, right? I'm creating dialogue. And are you having the students act out these parts, or are they more just narrating it? Well, yeah, let me be clear about creating dialogue, because what I do um, is I have several, several narrators who come up and say a few lines of what's happening in the story. And all of the actors are kids who are actually pantomiming the action. Got it. So I don't have, I don't have a big budget. I don't have a lot of, you know, mics for mm -hmm. kids to use. That's a lot of logistics that I don't want to get into. So I have, you know, Berlioz, his orchestra, the mule, all those are, are kids playing the part, but it's being described by the narrators who are coming on. So even if somebody says something, it's the narrator saying it. And then, you know, Berlioz, the kid who's playing Berlioz, just, they don't like move their mouth or anything, but they just, they just act out. They just act it out. I see. Yeah, I've done it that, I've done it a variety of ways, but I've definitely done it that way. I've done it where the t a teacher is a narrator. I've gotten classroom teachers to be the I, I've done that too. Depending on the age of the kids, like first grade, typically I'm going to probably have the classroom teacher be the narrator. Yeah, and that's really, that's great to have them come in mm -hmm. and um, the kids get a kick out of that. Oh, yeah. And then I have done it where I've, I've created the dialogue so that the kids can memorize and speak the lines in the microphone. It creates a little bit more of a choppy dialogue because like you, if I only have a couple microphones... One student comes to the microphone and says a line. Then the next student comes to the microphone right. and says a line. But um, I just did a program actually just in October with my, um, no, excuse me, November, close enough, uh, with my second graders. Um, it was a playoff Little Red Riding Hood, but we yeah. called it Little Rojo Riding Hood. Nice. And I included some, some Spanish elements because I have a lot of ELL students at my school. But um, in, in the story, instead of just going to Grandma's house, Little Rojo has to travel through the forest and visit all the different forest animals to collect food for the basket. And each grade, or each class in the grade, is one of the animals. So again, we have bluebirds. Bluebirds are in a lot of my programs. Yes. So they sing, here comes a bluebird. And then uh, they, she goes to visit the squirrels, and they sing, let us chase the squirrel. And then she You could also sing, hopeful squirrel. And I've done both, actually, with this program. But this, this year, it was let us chase the squirrel. And then they visit the wolves, and we sing, we are oh, playing in the forest. And then, of course, yeah. one of the wolves is the big bad wolf, and then the rest of the program kind of continues the way you would think. But I did have students actually memorize and, and act out the parts for that one. So I had one designated bluebird who kind of spoke on behalf of the bluebirds and one squirrel, etc. But, yeah, it's, it's hard to create dialogue when you don't have many microphones, but it's something to think about yes. when you're creating your dialogue. How yeah. can you make it flow by having only one or two microphones, if that's all you have in yeah. your school. Right. Yeah. So that's something you got to think about. Um, not books um, specifically, but another thing that I have used is like folk tales mm -hmm. or um, like Greek mythology, especially with older kids. If they're studying something specific, um, like I, I took a Greek myth and we put music to it. And then, of course, I put a lot of, you know, I, I write out a lot of the, I flesh out the parts because a lot of times it's very, very um, to the point. There's not a lot of detail. So right. we put a little more detail in there. Um, but, you know, uh, that that's something that you, you do have to spend some time sure. getting creative and fleshing that out if you're not using like from a book. Um, and even if you are doing something from a book, you still have to add a little bit more dialogue. But right. with younger kids, animals, there's so many animal songs. Yes. And you can even take a book and simply have it sung between classes or small groups of kids uh, where they're just trading lines. Like, right. you know, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? I see a, I forget what that is. Looking, Looking at, at me. me. <laughs> right. And that's a really simple book, not a lot of storyline in there, but you can break that up 
and insert some other and insert some some other things and some instrument parts and you know it, it does take time it is i understand the appeal of the canned musicals right because you know there, there it's it is right there. it's right there but um it's so worth it it is it is so worth let it. let me ask you this tanya because yes. this is something that comes up with this whole creating your own programs thing if you were doing a program and you had a song but you wanted to change the words slightly to match the book or to match the story what is your feeling on that? If it's yeah. if it's a folk song, um, I think that's fine. I I I, I kind of know that you for our Colorado for the Colorado concert, you've done Colorado gal, I right? Did. Yeah. So my rule of thumb of this personally is, um, if I'm going to do that, take a take a folk song and change the lyrics to to match whatever we're doing. I always make sure it's a song that the kids know the original version first. Mm-hmm. I don't teach it to them the wrong way. I want them to know yes. that there is a right way. So in the case you just mentioned, the fourth graders, they know Hello, Bella, Gal very well. They sing it all the time. We've read it. We've danced to it. So then when it was time to do the program, I explained to them how, well, we're just going to change Alabama Gal to Colorado Gal. Right. And when the program is done, we will go back I to the original I say no harm, version. no foul. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's to me the important part is I don't want the kids, you know, to leave thinking that's the song. Well, I yeah. want them to know the original and make sure they know why we changed it and it was just for this one situation. I'm sure there are others out there who you will know, not agree with me. Well, but. it just depends on your <laughs> reasoning and it depends on are you going to let them know what the actual words are. Right. And in that case, especially since they learned it as Alabama gal, and then you say, okay, but for the, this purpose, we're going to switch it to Colorado gal. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's not a big deal because yeah. they do know that the song is Alabama gal and it's not a, a, a big enough thing to really, you're, I don't think you're really sullying the folk song. Now, I, I, I think that it becomes an issue when you're doing something like, um, laugh, kookaburra, laugh, kookaburra, happy your life must be. That, yeah. That's kind of fraught with, that doesn't feel right. Right. But so do you throw out the song? Do you not do kookaburra? And I know people who don't do kookaburra, right? Because we right. sing, gay, your life must be. Yeah. And is it worth all this sniggering? Or are we over it? Is, is my school over it? Um, can they handle it? So when you're changing words because um, you're avoiding, I don't know, like... A difficult conversation. A difficult conversation. <laughs> is that a difficult conversation? Well, no, but like you said, it's just a time to, to explain, you know, the context of the word and, and, and that it's not that big of a deal. Right. But you have to take the time. Which then makes it a big deal. Right. And we're ta- if we're talking about one word or one phrase, right. then you say, this is, you know, when, when this song was written or, you know, conjured up, this is what this word means and right. let's get over it and let's move on. And so that, that seems to me a small thing. Yeah. But then when you're talking about songs that are like fraught with a lot of history that is hurtful, then you, you really have to make that choice i i do i don't do jump jim joe any longer right yeah and i used to do jump jim joe and if you're interested in that uh not interested in doing jump jim joe but you know there's a whole history about that song being racist and being related to jump jim crow and and there's a lot to that and i don't feel comfortable anymore doing that now that i know more about the origins of that song Right. But in that case, it's not just about the lyrics. It's about the Right. So origins. I'm not going to take, as fun yeah. as the game is, and as much as the kids really loved playing that game and singing that song, I can't even change the words to make it feel right. Right. It's just, there's so many great songs out there there's and great games that, that I'm going to let that go. Right. That's okay. Okay. Uh, now yeah. we got off track. I'm We're so on sorry. a tangent. We're uh, on a little I, bit it's of It's an important no. one. But yeah, there, there's just lots of schools of thought about changing words to folk music period regardless of the reason but again for me in in that situation of for a concert to fit a story to fit a theme yeah I think it depends on your reason and how you're doing it exactly so I I feel okay with my decision I'm gonna stick with it but I was curious what your thought was yeah so another type of program that's worth mentioning is creating an original story a completely original story just based on songs you're doing 
in your classroom that you think would make great concert pieces. Right. And this is great because you don't have to change the world. You're just taking the songs that the kids have already been doing. Yeah. And you're just, you're pulling them together in some kind of storyline. But this is where you, the teacher, have to be willing to like just sit down for an afternoon and go, yeah. okay, so um, hmm, Tommy Tucker has lost his dog and his yeah. dog is named Blue. And um, this is that, that joke about transitions in the music classroom. Right, but it just goes completely into a large scale thing. Exactly. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I, I have found my best work to be in this arena when I am writing my program and I have a, a glass of wine next to me because <laughs> the creative ideas seem just, to flow just so a little bit better. As long as you look better. it over and edit later. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely edit later. But um, I just find that sometimes um, as I'm writing these, um, you know, you get stuck. So you, you need some inspiration. Well, and I have written um, a few with a friend of mine, Steve Soich, who is sadly no longer teaching music. Aww. He moved on to administration. And, hey, so he's making the world a better place. And we're stealing his musical. And we're stealing it now. <laughs> no, so no Steve way. and I um, had a great time writing uh, a few things. One of my favorites is Queen Caroline and the Bad Hair Day, Love and it. It, it was a story. It was a um, a concert, not a concert, a mini musical that we did that happened around October. So we tied in a lot of like fall themed songs and Halloween type songs. And I even wrote some lyrics to what I call the In the Hall of the Mountain King cantata, where <laughs> the kids on the risers were like a Greek chorus and they were describing what was happening um, where, you know, we had a Queen Caroline and she was um, being sabotaged because someone put turpentine in her shampoo. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was Queen Caroline and the Bad Hair Day and... Um, that was great fun to do, but we were able to pull in some some dances, and uh, the kids loved it, and we we just had a great time with that. I wrote one that is one of my personal favorites uh, that I did with my third graders that was based on Peg Like the Pirate. Oh, nice. Which is a great little song that I learned from Ginger Littleton, who's a Colorado Kodai-inspired educator, and she... Ginger just found the original source for this song. I can't say yeah, off the top of my head where she found I it. I can't either, and I should but probably it's put a, it in the show But it's a wonderful notes. little song about uh, Peg Leg the Pirate. I'll just sing it. Peg Leg the Pirate is feeling depressed. Someone has stolen his treasure chest. Who stole the gold? Who stole the gold? Someone has stolen the pirate's gold. So right there, there's the whole plot. There's yes. the, the and, whole And by thing. the way, for the purists out there, in case you hadn't guessed, not an authentic folk song. Oh, well, no. no. Um, but uh, it's lovely. And it's yes. great for so many things. And the kids love it. So, of course, the story involved the gold being stolen. And um, my favorite thing, I think, about this program is the, the names that I gave the characters. Because we had... Um, Goldie, hence the gold. Oh, nice. Seaweed Sam. Um, and then there was Scurvy Susie. Ooh. Who ended up being That Susie. sounds a little controversial. <laughs> oh, well. Who ended up being Susie as in Papa Patch Susie. Oh. But instead of uh, where, oh, where is pretty little Susie, we changed it to <gasps> where, oh, where is Scurvy Susie, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so hence the whole changing the lyrics debate but anyways um they they sail across the ocean you know looking for the gold and they they have to go to the island of tidio to oh, find the gold wow yeah so this one went off a little bit on a strange tangent but it turned out really well and uh the kids really enjoyed it and the parents enjoyed it and i ordered these fun little uh pirates vests from oriental trading company that all the kids got to wear a little and that fell vest. apart like two minutes after you the performance they, they held well there were these little straps that fell apart but the vests themselves uh actually did hold up okay well, good for you so that was a really fun one and then we concluded the program with one of the the dances from one of the amadon's books I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's, you know, an Irish reel and jig that's in a minor key, mm -hmm. and so it just has that pirate kind of sound, Right. and uh, so we concluded with the dance, so um, I would be willing to definitely share my bizarre pirate story with anyone if you're yeah. interested. And then the final category that we're going to discuss are informances, which are 
just a wonderful thing when you want to show parents and community what's going on in the music room, but you're still showcasing the kids, singing, playing instruments, doing dances, but this is your chance to say, and the reason that we're doing this one is because we've been working on our rhythms and playing different rhythms at the same time, and we call this an ostinato. And so this is your chance to educate the parents mm -hmm. and to like build the community's understanding of, hey, you know what, I'm teaching music. This I'm not just um, having your, your, your kids in the room so that they can like sing and dance and not really have any context to it, but look at this, we've got some knowledge. And right. I, I love informances because you really can um, get up on your soapbox. I mean, you got to make it short and sweet and palatable for them. Sure. But I also have a program in there where I, I try to give a little bit more. And when you have research that you can quote, that's always a fun thing to, to include in there. Uh, one of the informances I consider it an informants that is in first grade because I don't have my students in kindergarten. I start them in, in first grade until next year, and then I'll have kindergarten. Yeah. Um, that I do a singing games night. And the parents come in with, uh, you know, whatever siblings or whatever family members come to this. It's not a performance. It's a, it's, I don't call it an in informants. I just call it a singing games night. And I am very clear in my note home that this is not a performance. This is a chance for you to participate with your child in what they typically do in a music class. And so we play a lot of singing games. And after each one, I will say, and the reason we do this is because of X, Y, Z. Or mm -hmm. we're feeling the beat on this. Or did you notice that we had some solo singing uh, during this chase game? Um, as much as I can. It does feel a little bit crazy during that singing game tonight because there are so there's so much interaction going on. Right. Um, I do have a microphone, which is so very helpful. Uh, but you know, you, you really have to know your community and know if it's going to 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 go well. And you have to also be willing to um, keep like younger children from racing around wildly, for example. Yeah, that's and hard. That that can be hard. But um, it's funny because every year when I do this singing games night, um, my, my last principal, every year, uh, she was there for a few years uh, before she retired. And, and each year when I did my singing games night, at the end of the night, I always think to myself, oh, my gosh, I'm never doing this again. I am exhausted. This was like crazy. And then the principal would always, it seemed like she knew what I was thinking because she'd always walk up to me and go, this is my favorite night of Aww. the school year. <laughs> and so I'd be like, oh, okay. okay. And then, you know, I have parents who come up and they're like, I, I just, oh, you know, my, my child was so excited to come tonight and it's so neat to see what you do. And I mean, if you can field questions, if that's happening, then that's your time to do that. Sure. I have a program where I list every song and game that we do and the musical skills that we're working on and also the social skills that we're working on because I think it's really important to pass that on to parents that yes of course we've got music curriculum that I'm teaching and they're learning but look at all these social skills that go mm -hmm. along we have to cooperate with a partner we have to learn how to take turns a lot of these things happen non-verbally and in the moment on mm -hmm. some of these games yeah. and this is another reason why they are such a part of every culture. Yeah. So anyway. That's a great one. Yeah, I like to do that one. So I'm working on something that's, you know, falls into this informants category. It's what I mentioned earlier with my fifth graders. We're going to do a little stomp-inspired performance. So I consider that to be an informants slash thematic program, I guess, because the, the students are going to create their own compositions. Nice. So we'll, we'll do one where we're all together, um, at the beginning and probably one at the end that I will create. But then each class is going to have the opportunity to create their own. And, you know, we're in the process of doing this right now, so I still don't know exactly what it's going to end up being at the end. But, but that's it's so part great of the that fun. it's student-created. Right. So they're going to create the rhythms that they're going to play. Each class is going to choose what kind of theme. So I'm thinking one group will have one that's like trash, recycled materials, you know, tin cans, garbage cans, that kind of thing. 
another class will probably do something with like sports equipment because you know in the stomp video they do a lot with like basketballs yeah i'm thinking we can incorporate sports equipment into one and then maybe one with the kitchen theme unless if they come up with something else i'll see what else they come up with but that was my idea i I did a stomp program at my last school that i was at before that went really well um so I'm, i'm definitely reusing some of the ideas from there but it's you know it's different each place you go so i'm really letting the kids take charge. But it will be a great opportunity to talk to the parents about how we've been learning all these different rhythms and ostinati and learning about how to layer them together. And um, this whole stomp thing has also come from, you know, doing more like traditional African drum ensembles and relating it to that. So it's going to be a great opportunity to share that with the parents And what a great cross-curricular thing that you can really, you know, go to town with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the kids are excited about it, so... To be continued. I'll nice. let you know how it goes. Okay, cool. Now we're at the Coda where we each share a professional or a personal recommendation. Carrie, you're up first today. Tell us something that you've been loving. So my recommendation is actually related to our main theme as well because it has to do with the topic of programs. So uh, something that I did in my class this week that I recommend that you do, anyone who's listening, is after you've done some sort of performance is to have your students watch a video of their performance and then fill out a self-reflection. I think that's a skill that musicians need to have obviously is looking back on your own performance and what did you do well what could you do better next time so with my second graders who had done their little Rojo Riding Hood performance back before the break we we finally watched the video coming back from break this week and then they filled out a reflection which was a page that I had created that we will share on our Facebook page um uh Somehow. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll it, figure out how to share it. So if you're on Facebook, um, we have a page called Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Yes. And I think that we can share that in the files. We'll figure it out. Or we'll have a link that you can download the PDF. But it's a great uh, little reflection form. And I need to get back to doing this. I need to do this. Yeah. So it worked really well. The kids enjoyed watching the video, but then it also gave them a task to do that was a little bit more um, educational and thoughtful than just, hey, watch your video. Um, They had to uh, write themselves on how well they sang, how well they played instruments, how well they stood still, and how well they smiled during the performance, because we talked about how that's an important skill as a performer. Um, They shared their favorite part from the program, and then they had to create a goal for next year's performance knowing that they'll do probably have another program next year because I do grade level. So what kind of goals are they writing? I'm curious. So I basically said take one of the categories from above where you circled that you didn't do so well. So, for example, if you you gave yourself a sad face because they circle either a happy face, an okay face, or a sad face. If you gave yourself a sad face for standing still, then your goal could be, my goal for next year is to do a better job of standing still. <laughs> okay. So I kind of gave them some sentence it's, frames yeah. to so go. So it's very straight ahead. It was very straight ahead. I mean, this is second grade. Right. So, you know, I wanted them to have some original thinking. Yes. But I also didn't want the writing task to be too taxing or too long because I wanted them to write in the same 45-minute class period that they watched the video. So they didn't have a ton. I knew they wouldn't have a ton of writing time. So the writing part itself was quick. Yeah, but um, but it's it was good. It gave going them through that exercise yes. there for them. Yeah, and I have different templates for uh, different grade levels. Um, so obviously the, it gets more challenging for the older students. They have to write. Would you be willing to post those too? I would. Because I, will I know share people would all love of my self-reflection pages. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right. How about you, Tanya? What's your recommendation? All right. I'm going to get a little heavy here. Um, I, relatively speaking. Uh, <laughs> for the last school year, well, I mean, since we went to school in August, I have been exploring bringing mindfulness and meditation into the music room. And this is something that I've been interested in um, personally for a while. And then I just wanted to bring it into the classroom. I was kind of spurred on by um, some 
things that I had seen and, and read. Um, one thing that really uh, spurred me on to this was an article that was in General Music Today, and it was written by um, Heather Ellie Falter, who is actually a doctoral candidate at CU. And um, I got to know her a couple of summers ago. And Ellie wrote this article called Mindfulness, an Underused Tool for Deepening Music Understanding. And I will put a link to that in the show notes, as well as make sure I link that in Facebook, because it's just an excellent article about mindfulness in the general music classroom. And she really gives some very specific scenarios on how that can happen. Well, since then, Ellie and I were talking and we have decided to combine forces and this year at the Colorado Music Education Association Conference, the MENC conference that happens in Colorado every January, Ellie and I are going to be presenting a um, mindfulness session about um, bringing mindfulness into the classroom every day, uh, which I've been doing with all of my classes pretty consistently. There's been a couple of days where I haven't done this. Um, at the beginning of each class, and I've explored uh, different ways for us to do really very short meditations. And sometimes it's uh, students with their eyes closed and um, focusing on their breath. And we're just trying to uh, be in the moment at the moment. And like I tell kids every day, um, or most days, that mindfulness is simply, a ba simply about being present and being aware of what's going on right now without passing judgment on it and without um, getting lost in other thoughts. So if you are really interested and if you are living in Colorado and teaching and if you happen to be going to CMEA, which that's a lot of ands, if you're that niche crowd, uh, <laughs> please come by on Saturday. Kind of yeah, I have, a sa I have two sessions on Saturday, actually, back to back. So on Saturday, I will be presenting with Ellie Falter, uh, Mindfulness Paves the Way, and that's at 11 o'clock. And I just lost which room it's in, but if you're going to CMEA, you can, you'll, find you'll find that. And then right after that, I'm doing a session called Sing, Play, and Pass It On, which will just be chock full of passing games, singing games, and lots of fun activities to get kids energized into making music primarily through singing. So please come by and stop by. And boy, it would be awesome if you if you came by and, and said you were listening to this podcast. That would awesome. be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Carrie will not be there I this time around. I cannot be at CMEA this year, but I'll be there in spirit. Okay. And I'm sure your sessions will be awesome. Thank you. have reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes. It really helps others to find this podcast. And until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.